Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Rob Basham and I just got back from a trip. We actually uh, left about eight or nine days ago and headed to uh, Spain, France, and Germany. And the purpose of that trip was to look at possible locations for the planting of an international church. Uh, And really the purpose behind that plant would be at some point in time we could put a, a REACH training institute in that location. Uh, as Carrie mentioned, I mean, she's going she's to graduate in June, and uh, Reach, Reach Training Institute is, is, a, is a way that we can equip those who sense a calling from God uh, to minister and to do it in a very affordable way where our students get to graduate debt-free and field-ready. And so uh, we've already started another RTI up in Seattle. There's a, an, an a Alliance Church, a church connected to our, our larger denomination, our family, that's, that's got an RTI going there. Actually, Tonight, some of us are meeting with another group of seven churches north of Seattle. And uh, they're thinking about starting an RTI. And we kind of see this kind of building. We're having some other conversations around the country. And we'd like to see it internationally take place because... People are on the move, and, um, and we, especially people who are refugees, we'd love to see people coming from countries that we can't get into be exposed to uh, just a training, ministry training, so that if God allows and takes them back to that country, they can go back as, as, as international workers and be able to dec- declare the, the, the good, good news about Jesus Christ. So on that trip, we, uh, we heard some amazing things, and I just want to tell you that uh, you know, God is on the move. We were in France. And uh, we were in Toulouse, France, and heard the story of an 11-year-old girl, 11-year-old French girl, who had a longing, had this hunger, this thirst that we've just been singing about, uh, to, to know who God is. She goes to school, she's sharing this with her friends, and her friends at school tell her, uh, I'm guessing they have a little bit of a Middle East background, they tell her that the way to connect with God is to learn Arabic, so this 11-year-old girl, she's contemplating that. She's, she's back at her home that night, and she is sleeping, and she has a dream. Jesus shows up to her in her dream, this little 11-year-old girl. And Jesus speaks to her. And Jesus says something, I'm just going to tell you, sounds like a very odd thing to say to an 11-year-old girl. Um, uh, he, he says to this little girl in his dream, if you want to connect to my father, if you want to be connected to me, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's odd. Uh, but it's actually right from Scripture. Uh, in the Gospel of John, this is exactly what Jesus tells uh, those who are were attempting uh, to follow him for the wrong motivations. But this thing that Jesus says to her, um, actually, it captures her. And she, she wants to follow Jesus. So she begins following Jesus so much so that she comes to this interna- international church in, in Toulouse, France, and tells the pastor, who is Larry. Larry happens to be uh, connected to, the, to our family, Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, we've, we've worked with him in uh, different countries around the world. And tells, this little girl tells Larry she wants to be baptized. Larry's not sure she really understands what she's talking about, so he interviews her and interviews the family, and I, I think the, the family says, yeah, we think she gets it. They take Larry to her bedroom, and the girl's an artist, and she has drawn pictures of Jesus, and there are pictures of Jesus all on the walls of her bedroom, and Larry gets it. This girl really does love Jesus and wants to follow Jesus. This little 11-year-old French girl gets up in front of her church, shares her testimony. Her parents are crying. There's not a dry eye in the house. And she is baptized um, and is following Jesus in Toulouse, France. And I'm sharing that story with you because, friends, God is on the move. 
Uh, you, you've heard, you probably heard stories of people in the Middle East and very, you know, countries that are very dark where God is showing up. Jesus is showing up in dreams and visions, and He's showing up in France uh, in, in, in dreams to a little 11 year old girl. And I just, I just wonder what does the future look like for this little 11 year old girl? What is God calling her to? And my guess is that wherever God wants to move, this little girl is going to move uh, with Him. And I want to talk to you about the very same thing. I want to talk to you about, we were in the series about, about Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been talking about being empowered by Holy Spirit. And Jennifer last week talked about this, in these important aspects of empowerment. Um, uh, be, being empowered for holy living. We sang a song about, about the holiness of our God, that there's no one like him. And he says to us, be holy as I am holy. Um, and, and, and so that's, well, that's, that's hard to live up to, yet the Spirit is there to empower us to, to live that life that's set apart to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 captures this quite well. It says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. It is Holy Spirit who empowers us to reflect the character of Jesus to our world. The, the second aspect Jennifer talked about was this empowerment for kingdom living, that we get to, to live the ethos of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, the, the, the kingdom of heaven has its own customs and its own culture, and it's counterintuitive. And Holy Spirit empowers us to do that, and it has given us gifts. And Jennifer gave some very practical examples of how those gifts are used and how they, they, they cause the church to, to, to mature and to grow together. Um, Ephesians 4 is a passage she read where it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So Holy Spirit empowers us for holiness. Holy Spirit empowers us for kingdom living. And what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk about how Holy Spirit empowers us for ministry and specifically supernatural ministry. And I'll just give you a little roadmap here. I want to talk to you as we look at, at Scripture. I want to talk to you about what supernatural ministry is. I want to talk to us about why we sometimes struggle with that and why we might, might pull back from that. And I also want to talk about some very practical ways that you and I can lean into it. What is it? Why do we struggle with the supernatural and some ways that we can lean into this ministry that Jesus has given you and me, given us? And we see this because, you know, Jesus went into villages and hamlets in Judea, uh, in Israel, and he, he, he preached and he healed the sick, and that ministry did not stop with him. He actually sent out his 12 disciples to do the very same thing. Matthew chapter 10, I'll put the words on the screen here, I'll read it for us. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus, he, he embraces this ministry. He sends out the 12. And then Luke chapter 10, he sends out 72 disciples. And this is what he says in Luke 10, verses 8 and 9. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. And if you've traveled, sometimes that, that's a, an endeavor. But eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. 
what is this supernatural ministry that Jesus has called us to? Well, right from the very beginning, what we see is it begins with a message. Jesus has written the sermon for us. He's given us the talk. He's given it to his disciples. He tells them to go out and tell people the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. And basically what he is saying is God is on the move. And friends, he's, he's given that message. God is on the move. And I just want to say this. God is on the move and he's asking us to move with him. God is on the move and we're called to move with him because one of the ways we can engage in this supernatural ministry is to simply declare this. This is a message of hope and expectation. Because the moment someone says to you, God is on the move, what happens is you're speaking a creative word, much like God spoke in creation. He created something out of nothing. And there is hopelessness and there is despair in our world. And when that message of the kingdom of God is near, God is on the move, what often happens is faith rises. Hope rises. And these disciples would go into villages and they would declare this. An expectation for a Messiah to deliver them would rise. And it really is a creative word. The writer of the Proverbs tells us that we have the power of life and death in the words that we speak. That we actually could see people have spoken things to you that have just robbed you of joy. That some, some of you are carrying words. They're powerful words that have just robbed life from you. From, the, from, from when you were a little kid. Others of you, someone spoke at a promising word over you. And it's, it's, it's like fresh air to you. And, and this, is a, this message is a message of hope and expectation. And, um, and it, the supernatural work begins to take place when we declare it. Now let me give you an example of this from C.S. Lewis, his, his books uh, on, on the, the series called Narnia. In uh, and, and the first book that's called The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, we have these four kids who enter this fantasy land called Narnia through a wardrobe, and they encounter this, this magical land where animals talk, but it's also this magical land that's under a curse. It's under the curse of evil. And there's a great hope for a Messiah to come. His name is Aslan. He's a lion. And Lewis, he captures this moment where this, this expectation is spoken um, about this, this, that God's on the move, that Aslan is on the move. Let me read just this short paragraph uh, from that book. It says, they say Aslan is on the move. Perhaps he has already landed, said Beaver. And now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do. But the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump in its inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell or some delightful strain of music had just floated by her. And Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and you realize that it is the beginning of the holidays or the beginning of summer. You see what Lewis is doing? Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. And even as in this story, the beaver speaks it, that there's something that sparks within us. Friends, this is supernatural ministry. It's just simply declaring that God is at work. God is on the move, and he's inviting us to join him. And that's the first part of supernatural ministry. It's just declaring. It's declaring a message of hope and expectation that God is on the move. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
But the second aspect of this uh, supernatural ministry is this, this, this part that is maybe a little bit challenging for us. It's about healing the sick. Jesus sends out his 12 disciples and says, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cure leprosy. This is an impossible disease that ostracizes people from their community and brings upon a slow death. I want you to, cure, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cure leprosy. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to deliver people from spirits of oppression. Now, 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 now go at it. And he sends, the, he sends them out. And, and they go out and they begin healing and they see God. They're so amazed at how powerfully God works. And it isn't just a power encounter. Actually, what's taking place here is a love encounter. Because anytime someone is healed, not only there is this amazement of his deliverance, there is an encounter with the Father heart of God that he sees you and he loves you. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but we, we are a church, we're... we're we have our 100th birthday coming up here in, in, in September, I think the year 2021. We will be a 100-year-old church. And in the early days, we were much smaller. But in the early days, there were people who were embracing supernatural ministry. They were declaring that God is on the move. And they were praying for the sick. And actually, our, our church in its early days um, was given a nickname by the people of our community. The people in our, in our community actually saw this church and said, this church has a reputation. And the word on the street, the nickname that they gave St. Alliance Church in those early days was this. That place is called the repair shop. <laughs> they called it the repair shop because that if you were sick and you had a situation in which doctors couldn't figure out what was going on, people, kind of, almost like a last resort, they would say, well, maybe I'll go have someone pray for me. And people were coming to this small church called Sam Lyons Church, and they would come and people would pray for them, and they would be healed. And, and, and we got this nickname that we are the repair shop. Well, friends, that is in our DNA. It's in our DNA because that's, this is the work that Jesus does through the power of the Spirit. And if you've been around here the last several months, you've heard stories of healing. You've heard how, how in fact, God still is, he's still in the business of healing the sick and, and speaking possibility into impossible situations. Um, I, I was, just before I traveled with, with Rob, um, I got this email from Bob and Angela Stockdall. Uh, they're regulars at 9.30, except for this weekend. They're on vacation. And they sit right where you guys are sitting, so that's their seat next week, Fred. <laughs> They're regulars here, and Bob emailed me, and as I read his email, I, I just wept. Angela, for, uh, for quite some time, had been struggling uh, with an illness. The doctors couldn't quite figure out what it was, and, uh, but eventually Bob and Angela got the diagnosis, uh, a pretty significant diagnosis. Uh, Angela was told that she had leukemia. Um, it was pretty heavy. And, um, and, and they, they went home, and as they were having dinner, um, shortly after dinner, uh, Bob, Bob had this nudge, this nudge in his spirit to pray for his wife. So he got some oil, and he anointed his wife with oil. And he told me that he, uh, he prayed like he'd never prayed before. I, I called him on Friday as they're, as they're headed to their vacation place and to make sure I got the details right. And, um, and he prayed for his wife like he's never prayed before. And um, that night, they both went to bed. That night, Angela had a dream. In her dream, Jesus was multiplying the white blood cells in her, in her body. That he was multiplying those white blood cells and the very cells that leukemia attacks. Uh, he, he, was, he was multiplying them. And, and then she woke up from her dream. Unbeknownst to Angela, Bob also had a dream that night. 
Um, you, know, you know that, that painting that Michelangelo does? Of, of, it's, it's of God and Adam, and their, their fingers are almost touching. He has that picture in his dream, except his face is in the painting uh, instead, of, instead of Adam's. And uh, he's there, and he's reaching out, and God is there, and, uh, but, but God, God's face is not looking toward him. God's face actually is turned away. But in the dream, God's, God's hand is out. His face is turning. He, he turns his face, and he looks at Bob, and then he smiles. And Bob wakes up. They're having breakfast in the morning. They begin talking about, they discover that they both had dreams on the very same night they have an appointment with a doctor, an oncologist, in four days. They go to that doctor appointment. They do all this work prepping uh, Angela for this, this treatment plan for leukemia. And they come back into the office confused because Angela does not have leukemia anymore. She's going to be completely healed. Yeah, praise God. Friends, God is on the move. And he's inviting us to move with him. There's this supernatural ministry. We have a message of hope and expectation. The kingdom of God is at hand. And we get, to, we get to pray for people. We get to pray for the sick and see God just touch impossible situations and make them possible. Yet there's something within us that actually struggles with this because, I don't know, maybe some experiences that we've had or maybe some teachings that we've heard that this, this idea that what I... Maybe some of our struggles that, well, maybe that kind of ministry is just for, for certain people. I mean, pastors and missionaries or, you know, people who have just, you know, th those who are gifted to do that, and that's not for everyone. Well, can I remind you that Jesus did this ministry and he trained his 12 disciples to do this ministry? He trained the 72 to do that ministry. And in fact, every gospel has their version of the Great Commission. We usually quote the one from Matthew, but listen to this very odd Great Commission from the book of Mark. It says, and they told him, that, and then he told them, this is Jesus speaking, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Now, that, that's, a, that's a bit of an, an odd and a weird take on the Great Commission. And I'm sure um, Jennifer Roth will probably preach on the snake handling thing and the drinking of poison one of these days. Maybe. But, but notice, notice this expectation, making disciples, baptizing, and healing the sick. See, it, it isn't just for a select few. It's for all of us. Jesus has commissioned you. He's commissioned you as his disciple to embrace this ministry. And, and yet, so still, some of us still struggle with this. And, and, and because you've prayed for people uh, who are sick and, and nothing has happened. And I just want to tell you, I've prayed for more people to be healed who have not been healed than people who have. I, I, and I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it all. And, and, and there's this idea, I've, I've tried this, and maybe you're thinking, I've tried this, and I have prayed for people, but it doesn't seem like God's done anything. And I think sometimes when we don't see God move, we begin to sort of pull back, and we may even think, well, maybe God is not on the move. Well, friends, may faith rise in our hearts, because God is indeed on the move. 
And so, yeah, we don't understand. I mean, God and his sovereignty doesn't heal in every single situation. If you, in fact, if you look in the Gospels, he didn't heal everyone in the Gospels. He walked right by some people. And, and I don't understand all that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop praying for sick people. And, and I think sometimes we struggle with this because of uh, just kind of how we interpret our world. I mean, even when I shared that story about Bob and Angela, a couple of you, maybe more than a couple of you in the room, had this thought come into your mind, well, well, maybe that doctor misdiagnosed her and she didn't have leukemia to begin with. Maybe there was a mistake made. I think we struggle with this because we, we actually, I believe we have been so discipled by, by culture that the worldview of culture actually, the, the priorities of, of, of culture have, have overtaken the, the priorities of Scripture for us. We've, we've, we've embraced this worldview, and let me just define what a worldview is. I'll put it up here on the screen. A worldview is the belief system you use to interpret reality. Every one of us has a worldview. Everyone outside, everyone who's, who's not a Christian, they have a worldview, a way they interpret reality. It's the lens in which you see things. But for us, I think sometimes we have this worldview. We believe that there's this supernatural reality. There's this supernatural realm. It's called heaven. We'll just put that, that circle up on the screen there. That, that is heaven, and it's a supernatural realm. This is where God lives. This is where the angels are. This is, this is where the demonic forces are in the supernatural realm. We believe that. We know that. But we live in the natural realm, okay? We live on, our, on earth, and this is where we engage with reality. We touch, we smell, we see. Our five senses are, in, are engaged. And, and, and we understand that there's supernatural, we, but we, we live in the natural. And oftentimes what happens is, as Christians, we don't... We, this is missiologist, his name is Paul Hebert, and he says there's this gap between the two, kind of this arrow between the two, that often Christians, especially Western Christians, they understand that there's a supernatural, they understand there's a natural, but they see no connection between the two. And so what happens is when it comes to supernatural ministry, there's this thing that, that Hebert calls the, the, the flaw of the excluded middle, meaning that there is no overlap, like this next slide shows. That, that, that actually the supernatural realm and the natural realm, they do connect. Let me give you an example. You see, if you, if you have a sudden illness here in a, in a, in a Western nation or a Western country or, a, or as a Western Christian, one of the very first things you'll do if, if you're not getting over it is you go see a doctor. And, that, and that's a good thing because, uh, you know, you, you go to a doctor and, and God sometimes he just heals through medicine. We have a ministry, Salem Free Clinics, and we believe medicine is, is a gift from God. Um, and, but as in Western, our Western mindset, this, if there's something happening in the natural that's wrong, and we need to fix it, and so sometimes that's fixed with surgeries or medicines. But if you're living in another part of the world that doesn't have that worldview, where you're not interpreting reality the same way that maybe in Western Christendom are, sometimes what happens, you, your first question is not what's wrong in the natural, your first question is what's wrong in the supernatural. Is there a spiritual reason this sickness has come on me? Now, for us living in the Western world, we look at that and we see, oh, that's, that's kind, of a, an, an, kind of an old way of thinking. And yet, in those people in those other parts of the world, look at us and say, wow, that's, that's pretty ignorant to consider the fact there might not be a spiritual reason for this sickness. And, 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 so, and, and granted, 
there are times when, when this overlap, but you can over-spiritualize. You can overemphasize that the supernatural reason for why something is going on. But you can also make the same mistake in, in sort of the Western worldview. You can make the mistake of thinking nothing's going on when actually there is something indeed happening in the supernatural realm. Case in point, Luke chapter 13, Jesus is in a synagogue. It's on the Sabbath day, and he is going to be, uh, he's going to be preaching, and he sees a woman. Luke 13, verse 10. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. You get that? She's crippled. It's not a, it's, the root of it is not in the natural. It's in the supernatural. She's crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double, get this, for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight how she praised God. You see this? There is this overlap there's this overlap between the supernatural and the natural. And for us as Western Christians, I think sometimes we struggle with that. And, and yet what we see, not every time, but sometimes we see that actually there's a spiritual thing going on here. And friends, this is why we need people to use their gift of discernment. This is why we need to live the kingdom life and be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can discern what is really going on here. In fact, Jesus, he actually affirms this overlap between the supernatural and the natural as he teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Multiple aspects of that prayer. But the one I want to highlight is simply this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, which is in the supernatural realm. Your kingdom come, your will be done in the natural realm. Friends, in God's kingdom there is no sickness. In God's kingdom there, there is no wickedness. In God's kingdom, there are no tears. And we get to pray that that reality of God's kingdom might touch, that heaven might touch earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Holy Spirit empowers us to do this. We get to declare it. The kingdom of God is at hand. God is on the move. We get to pray over people who are struggling, who are, who are, who are ill or may, maybe under oppression. And we get to just anticipate if, if God might intervene and his, his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Practically, though, how do we begin to sort of lean into this? How, how do we engage this ministry that Jesus has given to us? Uh, and I, this, it's actually pretty basic and pretty simple. I'll give you a little homework. First one is this. God's on the move. Be expectant. God is on the move. Be expectant. In fact, try this this next week. Go up, to them, go up to someone and say to them, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, they're gonna look at you and go, dude, you're weird, Okay. <laughs> Or, or, or faith might rise. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you where faith will definitely rise. In you. In you. Because you're declaring 
Friends, God is on the move and he's calling us to move with him. Be expectant. Declare it. And as you hear testimonies of God being on the move, friends, we have seen God on the move. We've seen baptisms. We've seen new starts in Christ. We're hearing healing stories. Aslan is on the move. And the spirit jumps within us. He jumps within us. Be expectant. The second thing I would say is simply this. Pray for the sick. Pray for those who are hurting. Pray for those who are oppressed. You know, it may be someone in your own family, like Bob and Angela. You just, a husband praying for his wife. It might be praying for your children. It might be discipling your children and asking them to anoint you with oil and pray for you. Or it may be someone in your, in your workplace or someone in your neighborhood. Listen to the Spirit. The Spirit might nudge you, prompt you to, to ask them, can I, can I pray for you? You've had this struggle. And, and, and as we do this, one of the things that reminds us is that, you know, oftentimes what happens is our, we make God sort of the last option on the list, and what, what, I'm, what I'm encouraging us to do is let, let's, let's have God be the, the, our God of the first resort, not the last resort. That we would go to him first. So we give him first crack at it. Because as we do, faith rises. And even this morning, we're going to do that very same thing. Just like we've been doing for weeks. I want to invite you. If today you're here and you're dealing with an illness, it's some, there's something going on in your physical body that you, you want healing for, you would, you'd have the faith to literally rise right where you're at. You can start standing right now. I want to just pray healing over you. A physical, need for physical healing, or maybe there's an emotional wound. There's an emotional wound that's going on. And maybe, maybe it's something you've been living with for quite some time. Maybe it's a relational healing that needs to take place. You know, maybe it's a couple. You need to stand because you're struggling in your marriage. Stand. And if you're watching on live stream, you could stand as well. You can stand as well because I, I just want to pray healing over us. And friends, those of us who are, who, are, who are still seated, be active. Don't be passive listeners here, okay? Those who are seated, just declare healing in this place. That the presence of Jesus would touch these dear ones who mean so much to him. The healing would be released. And then as, as I finish praying, just stay standing because we'll continue worshiping. So Lord, I, I thank you. God, you are holy. There's no one like you. You are perfect. You are spotless. And you created this entire universe with a word. You spoke light into being with just a word. Now let there be light. One phrase. Would you speak one phrase over these dear ones? Would you just say, Lord, let there be healing. Let there be healing, Lord, in this place. Lord, for those who are standing because they're, they're dealing with the effects of, 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 of a sudden traumatic event. Maybe it's an accident they're still recovering from. Maybe it's a heart issue. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's, uh, it's, it's a relational issue. Maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's a, a problem they've had with their mom and their dad over the years. Lord, we just declare healing in this place. And I ask and pray, oh Lord God, that we will be able to share stories of how you have touched and how you have cared. We know, Lord God, that you can heal. Would you bring healing? But even more than that, would you, would you heal? And then would you just pour out your love? May each one of those standing have an encounter with your love, whether they're standing in this room or standing in the room as they watch live stream. 
Lord, we just impart healing to them in the name of Jesus, the matchless and holy name of Jesus. We say, be healed. We pray this in your name. Amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.